Blog Talk Radio. General Quarters, Security Condition 3. Thank you. Security 3, sir. General Quarters 3, Intruder Alert. GQ 3, Intruder Alert. You know what I'm going to say, best doorman ever. Good evening and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you. The podcast that with more, as, as people used to tell me, with more celebrities than the inauguration. Um, I'm your host, cruise director, spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jennifer Perry or Jen or JP. I am just happy to have you here. And thank you. You know, I took some time off uh, around December and then come back, and, and everybody's uh, been downloading, still subscribing, downloading all episodes, which you can do for no cost still, thank goodness, and, um, and sharing and commenting and giving me uh, feedback and suggestions, and I thank you each and every one. Um, I also wanted to say uh, shout-out to my friends, um, at Turner, last uh, a couple nights ago, I was at an event. It was the SMPTE, the Society for Motion, I think it's Motion Picture Television um, Engineers. And it was at Turner, at Techwood, and uh, Chris Brown gave a, a great talk about, um, it, was, it was mostly about all the, cam- all the work, all the work behind the scenes that goes into making sure they have broadcast for uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend at, in Charlotte the last one in Charlotte, and also Andreas Norman, who was there uh, with him. They did a great job. And thanks to my uh, to my good friend Michael Greenwood um, of Space Connection, um, we've also been sharing the, the lineup I've got come up the next few days with everybody in those uh, space groups like uh, Space and Satellite Professionals, et cetera, and... Um, and, and, yeah, things are very exciting for right now. You know, coming up next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend is uh, Wild Wild WestCon, which, you know, uh, I'm crazy about. I'll be there this week. I mean, this year doing, um, th- again this year, but I'll be doing a couple of panels. Um, I've got a lot of Wild Wild WestCon people on the show before then. Uh, last week I had uh, James Breen, who's manager of the panels, James Springer, who will be having, he's going to be on one of my panels, actually, James Springer. And uh, he has a podcast called Creative um, Play. And uh, what else? Uh, Karen E. Thomas um, is going to be on there. Oh, she was on a few weeks ago. Uh, Coming up tomorrow night, I've got Tobias McCurry, one of the most famous uh, people, creators, uh, makers, as they call them in it. Uh, Tobias McCurry tomorrow night, sometime this weekend. Uh, We haven't scheduled it, but I'll be sharing it. Got uh, also another... Uh, incredibly talented uh, woman who makes things too, Talis Forge. And then also Professor Elemental, who will be doing the Saturday night concert at Wild Wild West Con. Next Monday, Brandy Stilwell. Uh, she works for Warner. She's a writer for DC Comics, and she's here. She will be here to talk about her comic book. She's the co creator of The Sasquatch Detective. And I'm uh, so excited about that. And then on Tuesday, Neil Gore. And uh, Neil Gore is, um, I have to tell you, and just a little bit, I have to look back at, at before the end of the show at all his stuff, because this has all been booking so fast, like in the last uh, 24 hours, I can barely keep up. But tonight, 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 um, everyone's excited about tonight's guest, especially me. He's an author, editor, and astronomer. Um, his his information says he lives somewhere between the western and final frontiers in southern New Mexico. Um, 
Now, his uh, website says he's the author of 11 novels, but he's a very prolific writer, so there's probably that's probably double by now, the time that was written. He's also got a lot of short fiction that's appeared in uh, magazines and uh, anthologies, and he's the editor of um, several science fiction anthologies, and he's uh, an actual, honest-to-goodness astronomer, too. So uh, let me welcome another special guest from this year's Wild Wild West Con, David Lee Summers. David, come on in, sit down, find a nice cushion to sit on. Well, thanks for having me on the show, uh, Madam Perry. This is a real honor, and a real honor after uh, all those other guests that you've mentioned uh, have been on and will be on. Uh, That's great company. (laughs) Am I the luckiest girl or what? You are. (laughs) You guys, all of you be so generous with your time, especially this close to Wild Wild West Con, where I know everybody is is supremely busy, and yet you're all all giving time for me and my audience, my listeners, and I am so grateful to you and everyone else, and and this just gets to be more and more fun. but I am thrilled to have you on. I said you're. Um, I don't know if if anyone told you we were we didn't have enough time to talk. But you know, as you look around you, you can see one of my first guests went back uh, after being on Madame Perry's salon and said, "I've been there. It looks like the inside of Jeannie's bottle," which uh, kind of fits them, you know, not astronomer Jeannie, um, Major Healy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> guys, and uh, so that's why it's a. Little damn in here. That's why we sit on big cushions. But I hope you're comfortable. And oh, very you, comfortable. Thank you very much. <laughs> good. Glad to hear that. You work for Kitt Peak National Observatory outside Tucson, um, and of course you yes, probably uh, get a lot of. Go ahead. So I was just going to say, yeah, it's a, it, we're right in sight of uh, the site for uh, Wild Wild West Con. In fact, uh, if you're standing outside at Wild Wild West Con, you can look over to the over to the western horizon, and you can actually see the observatory right there, uh, with the white buildings right up on the mountain. And uh, that mountain, actually, I've seen in in several old uh, western films that were were uh, filmed in that area, but before the observatory went up. Uh, remember seeing it in, in uh, 310 to Yuma, uh, the classic one with Glenn Ford. You can actually see Kit Peak in the background. So, so that's where I that's where my quote unquote day job is. And uh, I, I do live in southern New Mexico. I go over to Kit Peak about uh, every other week, and it's basically a week on week off uh, kind of uh, schedule that I maintain. <laughs> Yeah, as you see. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you're getting me there, and I'm also getting uh, some, some messages already. By the way, I might as well say this now. Um, yes, we're live right. If you're listening live right now between, um, well, it's, it's a little after 8 p.m. Eastern, um, after 5 p.m. Pacific time, or somewhere in between, or somewhere else. If you're listening live tonight, uh, February 27th, and you want to talk to David Lee Summers, you just give us a call, 646-716-9922. Uh, Blog Talk Radio assures me it's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. Or some people, if you can't make a call but you have a comment or a question, you know, uh, usually people can, if, if you've got my phone number, you can text me. Or if you're on Facebook, you can uh, send me a message, a uh, private message through either Jennifer Mott at Perry Page or Madam Perry Salon. And uh, because, you know, you know, David, sometimes people have a, a day job or something where they can't really make a phone call, but they're listening. Oh, yeah. I, uh, that, that's kind of my situation up there. We, we, uh, have radio telescopes on the mountain, so I can't actually have my cell phone on when I'm at work. So I, I sympathize with people who can't call out uh, on a private line, you know, if they if they have to, you know, leave their work line for business. So that's that's completely uh, understood. Yeah, in fact, I'm getting one of those messages right now, and I uh, just want to make sure, uh, James, does that mean since you're listening from work that you're not going to call or that you just want me to read these? I'll go ahead. Uh, James Spring, who has, as I mentioned, uh, the Creative Play and Podcast Network, and he's going to be on one of my panels. He wants to know um, 
The podcast wants to know if you and I, either of us, David, are going to Wild Wild West Con. Well, I certainly will be at Wild Wild West Con. I plan to be there the whole weekend. And as for me, uh, James, I think the only answer you I, I can give you is, did Rose Kennedy have a black dress? Yes, I'm going. And uh, also, he wants to know, and uh, thank you, James. Uh, he's, he's such a sweetheart. Uh, he also wants to know if any of your titles, and, and uh, we're going to get into the titles of your books in, in just a few minutes, um, I'll tell you what, I'll save that question for just a moment till we get on that subject. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> see, this is so much fun. Uh, so astronomer, day job. You could, we'll be able to see it from Old Town, Tucson, and uh, and recognize it from, from some movies. That would be cool. You, I don't know what came first, you as a writer or you as an astronomer, but I have heard that you have a, um, let me just read, first of all, let me just read some of your, uh, the titles of your novels, Owl Dance, which um, I really like the, the story of Owl Dance. It, it's got everything in it, uh, uh, aliens, Russians, all kind of stuff. Um, the Astronomer's Crypt, Solar Sea, Dragon's Fall, Rise of the Scarlet Order, uh, but Astronomer's Crypt, I heard that's got kind of an interesting, um, sort of an interesting idea or story about how how you came to write that. It had to do with a, a job, maybe a job in one of, uh, in an observatory, well, or one uh, of your jobs as an astronomer. Well, as far as, yeah, the Astronomer's Crypt is something that came from, from all kinds of years of uh Working at observatories, uh, the four-meter, the male telescope up at Kitt Peak is this very large labyrinthine-type uh, building full of all kinds of rooms, and it's dark all night. And I just kept thinking about this place as it would make the perfect haunted house. And, you know, we we sometimes in astronomy working late at night, we like to scare each other with ghost stories. And in fact, uh, there are a number of observatories like uh, Lick Observatory uh, up in California and Lowell Observatory in, in Arizona, and uh, where the astronomer for whom it's named is actually buried on the site, or maybe even like in the case of Lick Observatory, in the pier of the telescope. And I thought, you know, how, you know, you're you're working late at night, the grave of someone right there, <laughs> and you know you you kind of hear these spooky stories. And uh, certainly over the years, at a place like Kitt Peak, which is at a remote mountain location, but attractive to tourists, you know, we certainly get our we've had our shares, and unfortunately, over the years of people who have had accidents on the road or sometimes just been up on the mountain and they're older and they've passed on. Uh, so you can imagine that a site like this might be a site with a lot of ghosts and a lot of that kind of energy. So I just thought, you know, imagine what would happen if you actually had, uh, if you actually had astronomers coming into to contact with, with ghosts in this sort of haunted house uh, scenario. I've also been up there when there's been times when we've had really terrible storms up there. I mean, I, in fact, actually just even this last shift I was up there, I was up on a day where I could not push open the door uh, of one of the telescopes because the wind was blowing on it so hard so you could imagine almost being trapped in this thing like a Vincent Price thriller, you know, uh, where you're just stuck in the building. And uh, all of these ideas kind of came together along with the fact that living here in the Southwest, uh, we are surrounded by uh, all kinds of uh, really amazing uh, Native American stories. And I wanted to kind of bring some of that together with this idea of almost the haunted house, like what happens if someone's actually looking for a forbidden artifact for some reason, and that comes to the observatory and starts 
waking the ghosts, as it were. Now, of course, you know, as a scientist, a good scientist, I'm, I'm in real life a skeptic, but still doesn't keep, you know, it, it, it doesn't keep me from letting my imagination run away sometimes late at night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and hey, why not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when people say, you know, you often hear people talk about giving advice about well, write what you know, and then of course, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix would say, well, you know, he would just come up with a story about maybe some kind of a, a war or whatever on Mars and, and write a song about it. Um, so. If if you write just what you know, then then we wouldn't have sci-fi and fantasy and so forth. Then again, and maybe some erotica, but then again, you're writing what you know. <laughs> well, that that one was certainly that that one certainly uh, what I know and and certainly what what goes on in in the corners of my imagination, shall we say. <laughs> Now, um, your first book, if I could ask you about the very first novel you had, The Pirates of Sufiro, and that was 25 years ago you first wrote that. Um, tell me how you came up with the idea of the, the Western kind of theme and the space vibe together, and how did you create that? Right. And that so, was a trilogy, wasn't it? It became a trilogy? Yeah, it ultimately became a trilogy, and now it's uh, now it's four books. The the bio you read up at the top of the show is pretty much correct. I, I am just released novel number twelve, so that is brand spanking new, uh, and that's uh, Firebrand's Legacy, which is actually a prequel to the Pirates of Sufiro. Uh, but where the Pirates of Sufiro came from is that's uh, you know I w- I was reading. Um, Time Enough for Love by Robert Heinlein. I was reading uh, John Nichols' uh, uh, The Magic Journey, uh, which it, ma- The Magic Journey is actually a, a contemporary novel uh, set in New Mexico, and it, it traces the story of this, uh, this young woman's uh, through her entire life. And I, I got to thinking about that in context of all the stories I had heard from my family that had come and homesteaded in New Mexico, uh, came in right around the beginning of the 20th century, right around the the end of the 19th century in Texas and New Mexico. And uh, thought, you know, there's some real stories there. And, you know, and then Robert Heinlein's Time Enough for Love got me thinking about this in sort of a science fictional context, you know, what if you actually had someone going off and, and settling a planet? What would that be like? Well, their stories probably wouldn't be all that different from the stories of homesteaders who came in the 19th and early 20th century out here to the Southwest and, and started farms and started ranches and, and had to deal with the conflicts of uh, the resources that were going on. So that was really where I got started with the idea of the pirates of, of Sufiro. Um, my idea, the, the story starts out with the, the space pirate, Ellison Firebrand, who ends up uh, crash landing on the planet with just a couple members of his crew. And then he uh, ends up having to, it ends up almost kind of being, a, you know, has shades of a Swiss Family Robinson and maybe Mysterious Island, the great Jules Verne novel, and where they're trying to kind of do their best to make a life on this distant world and then what happens is ultimately it gets found by by other humans who come and settle along with them and we see the story as this colony grows up and as people discover more and more resources on the colony so the the title actually comes from the fact that of course there's a literal space pirate who who is the founder of the world but then we also have uh almost uh, figurative pirates, uh, industrial pirates who come in later uh, trying to exploit the planet and exploit the people that are there. And so that's, uh, that's where that came from. And then the new novel that's just come out, Firebrand's Legacy, is actually the stories of, of Captain Ellison Firebrand and his time as a space pirate before he uh, landed on Sufiro. So we get to know him and his crew and those people who are in the early uh, parts of the book a little bit better. Now, tell us about... Um... 
I've, I've, okay, I've, I've got to cut to something else here. You, back in the mid-90s, you attended a writer's conference, University of Arizona, keynote speaker, Ray Bradbury. That's and right. Yeah, Ray Bradbury, he, he is just awesome. Or <laughs> was, I'm, I'm sorry to say he's no longer with us. But uh, yeah, anyway, go ahead. I mean, talk about what, I just want to know what that was like just to get to hear him. Speak. Oh, he he was he was amazing, and I actually should preface that by I actually got to meet him the first time in 1983, and I was in high school, and uh, I he actually came and spoke to the the high school that was our crosstown rival. I grew up in Southern California, and he uh, he came to the other high school in town. So you know, I, I was really heartbroken. I was going to miss Ray Bradbury because. But I had friends at the school, and I, they said they could get me in. And I actually talked to – I was in journalism class uh, at the time, and I, I talked to my teacher, and I said, I've got an opportunity to interview Ray Bradbury. Can I get the day off of school to go do this? And she said, absolutely. So, so I went over, met up with my friend. We're walking on the campus of, of what for me is a, a strange high school, and we come across the principal, and I, I think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm busted here. And, and she says, are you students from other high schools? And I'm like, yes, yes, I am a student from another high school. And she says, well, Mr. Bradbury is eating lunch in the cafeteria in the library right now. Would you care to join him? I was just floored. And I, I, of course, said, yes, I, I will. I would love to. And of course, I, I just sat there in awe for about probably 30, 45 minutes just listening to him talk to teachers, you know, maybe interjecting maybe one or two words, you know, when I, I could just barely muster up the courage. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the first time I met Ray Bradbury. And, and he came and he spoke to the whole uh, school and of course, you know, you talk about a school school full of, of high schoolers, of teenagers, and they're just wrapped listening to him. And, uh, you know, then, then finally at the end of it, I go up with my, my friend and we go up and we're going to say, you know, bye and thank you for, for having us uh, for lunch. And he says, well, we're going out. I'm going out with uh, some of the teachers after this. Uh, would you care to join us there? And it's like, okay. <laughs> so so went and had a chance to, to hang out with Ray Bradbury at a restaurant after the talk. And so when I actually got to see him, I, I got to see him one other time at Cal State uh, University very briefly uh, after that. And then there was the time at the University of Arizona. And again, every time I've heard him, I, I got to hear him speak, it was just amazing. Um, he, he told, he could speak extemporaneously about pretty much anything. And he, he would tell stories of how he came up with his stories and he would read poetry and he would just, you know, he was just one of the most gracious people. And one of the things that was great about that meeting in the nineties was that was when I got a chance to introduce him to, to my wife, um, now, the epilogue to this whole story of actually seeing him, talking to him at these events was this 90s uh, workshop was where me and my friend William Grother and my wife Kumi came up with the idea of a small magazine called Hadrosaur Tales. We dedicated the magazine to him. And he then ended up sending to all of us who were in the magazine signed photos when we sent it to him. And then um, a few years later, I had my first professional publication in Realms of Fantasy magazine, a, a, a fantasy story I had I, I had written inspired by Moby Dick, which in turn was inspired by one of the things he told told about at the 90s workshop in Tucson was he talked about getting to write for uh, John Houston writing Moby Dick. And this got me thinking about, well, how could I tell a different kind of dragon story? So I did a, a version of Moby Dick with dragons. This was published in 2001. And then when that came out, he sent me this lovely letter just saying, you know, how much my teachers back in those days in high school when he had met me would be so proud. And it's just the fact that he remembered across all those years 
you know, when, when we had met maybe what, three times. And, uh, it it was just, it's just, he was amazing. He, uh, there's, I've never met anyone else, uh, like him. What a gentleman, you know, what a wonderful guy. Exactly. (laughs) He was amazing. He, he just was a, was a really gentlemanly uh, person and, and just friendly and, uh, generous with his time. Now, Hydrosaur, uh, Hydrosaur Multimedia. Um, yes, Hydrosaur Productions is is our company, and, and and I understand you did some an audio version of uh, was it a Firebrand's Legacy or was it um no it wasn't what was it you did some audio well we we yeah the original the very original thing we did with the company was was an audio version of the Pirates of Sufiro and we actually did that we we got together with some of the some of my fellow staff members at Kit Peak and, you know, with just primitive, uh, primitive uh, audio tape equipment, you know, stuff you could buy at like, you know, the department store and, and just recorded, you know, us reading the book, different people taking different parts in the story. And, you know, we had a blast with it. We turned it into, I think it was six audio cassette tapes that we sold at science fiction conventions back in the mid nineties. Um, you know, just had a blast kind of getting to know the science fiction community uh, through that and uh, and selling these tapes. Now, as it turns out, you know, where you're, not, you're, you're basically on track here is I'm actually working with a, another fellow in Tucson, uh, Eric Schumacher, who's a, a filmmaker and an actor in Tucson. And we're actually we actually are recording uh, the first chapter of Firebrand's Legacy now, but at this point we're we're bringing in professional actors. Uh, we have Jeff Jeffrey Notkin, who is uh, known for the his uh, uh, as the host of Meteor Men on uh, 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 on the show Meteor Men, and he's. Um, and he's doing the narration for us, and he has this this wonderful, sophisticated British accent uh, reading the story. So we have uh, so so we've really come full circle from doing this as a, uh, a, a as a sort of homebrew project on on audio cassette tapes to uh, having professional actors coming and and actually reading the parts for these stories and uh, and, and turning it into. Uh, uh, professional audio book with, um, you know, that'll, that'll go out digitally and, and be available to people who uh, want to get it. And our, our ultimate goal is we'll record this, this first chapter of Firebrand's legacy. And then um, the plan is that we'll actually do a Kickstarter to see if we can actually fund uh, getting the rest of the book made uh, with the same, with the full cast and everything. Oh, that's going to be good. And by the way, if you just happen to need a, if you have a part for someone with a, a gentle southern accent, you know, just, um, you know. I, I, I think we know where to call. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, I've got, <laughs> I've got a, a, a here from our friends at Mason Style. I'll be right back with David Lee Summers in about 60 seconds. Uh from now. The next game changer in the men's fashion industry might just be around the corner with the upcoming launch of Mace in Style, a new international gentleman's fashion boutique store that will offer comfortable and fashionable designer crafted clothing, accessories, jewelry, watches, as well as health and lifestyle essentials for men, crafted by talented fashion artisans from various corners of the world. Mace in Style offers clothing and accessories for men of different shapes and sizes, from streetwear enthusiasts, the hip-hop street artist, the corporate powerhouse, the prepster, the jock, the rock star, the adventurer, to the all-American throwback, and many others in between. Mates in Style is inspired by the latest trends in fashion, which will help any generation achieve their desired style and look. Visit the pre-launch site now at prelaunch.matesinstyle.com to be a part of this inspiring fashion innovation. Prelaunch.matesinstyle.com all right go to mates m-a-t-e-s n-i-n style s-d-y-l-e dot com 
eye of your shopping. I love to shop for my husband, and sometimes I used to go to stores, and there's something like there's either Golf Geek or uh, or Thug, and there's nothing in between. And uh, my husband has many different uh, lives and personalities, uh, sort of like you, David. You know, he's uh, by day he works in the satellite communications industry, and then uh, night he's a musician, and um, you know different lives like some of us have so it's a good place to get some uh, great men's clothes so uh well i think then you answered the question we had from uh creative play and podcast they wanted to know if um they wanted to know if you're going to be making if any of your titles would be making transformation into audio books but we just covered that there we go yes, so and, thank and we you. did uh, one one thing I didn't mention was that we did have copies of uh, Pirates of Superhero, Children of the Old Stars, and Heirs of the New Earth were available as audiobooks for a little while. Um, unfortunately, we those uh, the site that was hosting those is no longer around, so so they aren't. But my novels Owl Dance and Lightning Wolves are up on Audible, so those those are available as audiobooks right now. Oh. Sweet. Okay. Good to know. All right. And thanks, James, and Creative Play and Podcast for that question. And if you have a question, you can call 646-716-9922 and, uh, or just message a question to me. And by the way, uh, Pete says thanks for this show. I um, can't wait to start into David's books. And so did uh, – let me get this – let me read this – Message. Um, I also say pretty much the same thing. David Summers is an interesting guy. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Janelle, for sending us a message too. I appreciate that. Um, you know, trying to learn more about you just kind of took me down a rabbit hole, David Lee Summers. Um, I came up with names and things and people. Not that I know everything. There's so much I don't know. But I came in with the names of people that. Uh, I wasn't familiar with, um, like, uh, and, and words like uh, polymath outlook or Alvin Clark or Thomas Cook. Who were these guys, and what? How did they dovetail in with the story of David Lee Summers? Well, um, I'll I'll start with Alvin Clark because Alvin Clark is is one of my sort of favorite people from the Victorian era. I, I like to think of him as uh, one of the great. Uh, I, I call him one of the great math scientists of the uh, Victorian era. That may not be quite fair, but he was the person who built not only the world's largest telescope, but then he outdid himself and built the next the world's even larger telescope. And even the world's larger telescope, until he built really what was the largest refracting telescope of all, the, the Yerkes Telescope in Wisconsin, almost every really major um, telescope used in an astronomical observatory in the in the Victorian era. And in fact, actually, one of the first jobs I worked at was at a place called Mariah Mitchell Observatory on Nantucket. And that was um, that. That was an observatory in uh, basically named after the America's first woman astronomer from the 1800s, and uh, ended up being a, a professor at Vassar and uh, did some work at Harvard. And what we were doing was my my job there was actually working on a an Alvin Clark telescope with the the wind up clockwork type drive and all of this 19th century technology we were taking plates of uh, taking taking photographs of the stars and the idea was we were looking for variable stars these are stars that change their brightness over time and we were using these glass plate photos so it was just like the old uh, pictures you might see of photographers working in the 1800s where they pull the slide out wait some amount of time and then put the slide back in and then go develop this glass plate uh, as a photograph. And we would use these to study uh, variable stars. So some of my very first papers in astronomy that I did in the early 1980s, uh, early to mid 1980s were actually 
um, done on this Victorian era technology. And so it, it really kind of left me with this just sort of love and fascination for that. We did a lot of our timekeeping on the old ship's chronometers because we're Nantucket Island, you know, Moby Dick and, and that whole bit. And uh, so we had this whole thing of it, it was just fun to, to be in the sort of 19th century surroundings doing science on distant stars and um, – doing stuff that was still publishable and relevant. Uh, well, and this telescope ended up being used uh, well up into the, ni- into the 1990s. So uh, this Alvin Clark telescope ended up getting a, a century of service. And what it created was this, this track record of what these variable stars were doing over a hundred years. So, uh, yeah, so in, in exactly the same way, so people could use that as a way to continue to study these things. So that really kind of got me interested in this whole steampunk idea of, you know, advanced technology in the 1800s in, in the era of, uh, you know, in the era of steam power, in, in the era when, like, uh, my my great-grandparents were, were riding on the railroads and so forth. And, and my dad can I my dad was a railroader, so I uh, I grew up with a love of trains and that technology as well. So it was it was kind of like a way to marry these these whole these ideas in one place. Oh, I'm sorry. It seems very synchronicitous how the how all of these elements uh, seem to to blend together or almost braid together into the story. By the way, uh, David, if you could do me a favor, it's a little dim in here. If you could just reach over. To your left, and open up the beaded curtain. I have someone who wants to uh, step in here and talk with us. Okay, the curtain is open. All right, welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Come on in, sit down. Hello, hello, Madam Perry and Mr. Summers. How you doing? I'm doing very yeah. well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, now, don't give it away. I want to see if David can figure out who I am. I'm I not going to say. <laughs> oh goodness! This is uh, doing this just by voice. This is tricky. Cushion <laughs> and sit on. So, well, I'm send. Let me let me give you a, a, a hint here, David. I'm in the process of sending an email to you here relatively shortly. It's got a schedule okay. for you. Yeah, that that's okay. Now now I'm hearing your voice. Yeah. Hi James. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? Doing good. Good to hear from you. Yeah, well you'll be hearing from me again really soon. I'm sending out all these panel schedules. We had to wait and till make sure everything was uh set. We are using another area this year for some stuff. And it was, okay. it was. We weren't sure if it was going to work, so we had to wait to make sure. And once we did that, now we know. So yeah, now I can start sending all these letters out to all you fine folks. Well, I so know even, uh, even Madam are... Perry's getting one. Yay! Excellent. <laughs> what? I say, yay! What does it say? Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> Stop bugging us. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm having all that fun of going through and copy pasting. I'll I'll tell you both right now. It's a form letter. <laughs> I'm not hand typing every letter this year. <laughs> You've got a main. Uh, Alrighty. So oh, yeah. I I do in fact see. I, in fact, I I'm sitting here looking at my email here on on the handy dandy uh, portable device, and I see uh, in fact that I have a schedule here, and it all looks uh, looks like it will be great amounts of fun. So yeah. Like let's see. Looks like we might have two things on at. Uh, Oh, okay. I see. They're they're both in the same place and and such. So I guess we'll have to. <laughs> okay. Well, this is fun. Okay. I'm trying to find somebody's email, and it's nowhere in my forms. Oh, this is joyful. <laughs> All right. Email, and mine says something about cease and desist. So I don't know. I haven't sent yours out <laughs> yet. Nice try. <though. laughs> 
Hey, Jay, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. I don't know how long we have you, but thank you for calling in. Do you know, did you hear who's going to be on here? You know, I'm going to be doing shows, I think, every night up until I leave for Tucson. Do you know who's going to be on? Yes, I do. I got your message. (laughs) Tobias tomorrow. Uh, I'm oh, oh boy, have fun. Tobias? Maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll pop in just to, just to see how you're doing. But yeah, Tobias is something else. But we love him to death, so it's all good. And then Taylor Taylor's is wonderful. You'll have I'm sure she'll be great. Oh yeah. And uh, well, the night you have Professor E in is actually the night that we are checking at the hotel. So <laughs> I okay. probably will not be able to call that evening. Professor Elemental, uh, Taylor's Forge, and then, um, see, Monday night is a comic book night with uh, Brandy Stilwell of DC Comics um, and her Sasquatch Detective, and then Tuesday will be Neil Gore. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I have not met them. I can't wait to meet them. There's, uh... now, leverage their names and then saying that I was a friend of yours and get David Lee Summers on tonight. So, you know, things looking good. Yeah, and it's been been fun so far. <laughs> and these are, like I say, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great event, you know, because it's it's all these people and and even more at the uh, out at Old Tucson. Uh, I just figured out why I couldn't find this person's email address because all these next people are all with the same group, so they all would have gotten the same email. Uh, fun, James. Since you're here, what about people? Uh, are there are there still tickets available for people that oh, yeah. want to come? Oh, yeah, there's definitely tickets available. Definitely oh, plenty of tickets available. There's tickets available if you just show up there out of the blue and want to come in. Oh, We okay. will not run out of tickets for folks. All right. Good. Unless and Old there's... Tucson says we can't bring any more people in. And then it's, you know, beyond our control. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty we big can't really player. argue with them. They're nice enough to let us, you know, hold the event there. So, you know, we have to be nice to them, too. <laughs> well, every, every year you outdo yourself in making it better and better. So I think this is going to certainly uh, be <laughs> Well, and I don't know if, if Dave is aware of this, but um, and I know I mentioned it last time with James. As a matter of fact, you heard the challenge to, between James and I. But um, for those who are listening who may not have heard the last one, uh, Old Tucson now has a zip line target shooting attraction oh wow <laughs> well you ride a zip line down you have a little laser pistol and there's targets up in the trees and on buildings and yeah oh that's a that sounds like that'd be dangerous for me <laughs> so the last time i was on here with madam perry and uh james Nettie, there was a challenge made <laughs> And James thinks he's going to take me out, take me down, and get a better score than me on a shooting range. <laughs> James, if you're listening, I'll, I'll give you this one opportunity to back out. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the opportunity to back out without any repercussions. After this, well, yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh oh. Hey. Uh... Yes, nope. you, know, you got to get in their heads a little bit. What was that? You broke up on us there. Taking bets? (laughs) Taking bets? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. If you want to lose your money, go ahead and bet on, you know, Mr. Nethery. If you want to win money back, well, then you'll put your bets on me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll I'll even be nice enough to, to, to bookie it. For you know, fifteen percent. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I think I think James wins regardless here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, you, you get how this works. It's a new game I came up with. It's called I Win. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, just sure this 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 zip line uh, target shoot. Uh, I'm sorry. Built this zip line. 
target. Yes. Shoot. Thing. Who who built it? Um, it's an independent. It's another company. Their contract with all two sound, from what I can gather. It's not like you, you got just from the line after hours or something. I'm sorry. You were breaking up on me again. I was just trying out some clothesline after hours or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've seen some uh, really cool videos of it actually, and uh, okay. it looks pretty uh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds sounds like it would be a fun thing. I don't I don't think I would be I, I don't think I'm in the class to challenge, but I I think oh, I sure would have are. some fun giving it a try. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Heck, my uh, my panels team wants to do a whole big uh, thing where everybody does it, and we see who gets the best score out of the group. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be fun. It's it's gonna add a whole lot. Um, it's gonna add something new for everybody to do. And hey, so David, I think it'll be successful. Yeah, David, I'm sure Kit Peak has a good insurance uh, set up, don't they, for employees? Yeah, they 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 do. Uh, now now you know whether what it'll cover uh, for me going ziplining at Old Tucson. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. We can always so. put it out as a uh, you know work injury. You know work really. There you go. <laughs> you're you're yeah. there. You're a presenter. You know you're working right. You're right. Right. Yeah, it was to me. And in fact, in the email, you have that I'm I'm doing astronomy pre- uh, an astronomy presentation, and we're talking about Victorian science. So you know, it's uh, <laughs> there we go. So yeah. yeah, I'll definitely be there uh, do, doing doing at least uh, part of my day job. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can justify it. Thank there you go. <laughs> Will you be there? Yeah, it David, will your wife be there? My wife will be here. Will be there. Yes. Okay, good, good. Just want to make At sure. At least you'll be chaperoned. Make a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna have unchaperoned now this year. Thomas Williford, James Nethery. Oh my. supervision. Well. Oh yeah, and well, Wheeler Stone as well. That's right, because his wife's not coming, so Wheeler's coming unsupervised. Well, <laughs> all I have to say is I'm glad I'm not VIP services. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, this is I, I'm so excited. Like I said, every day I'm not even broadcast on the weekends. You know that, James Bring, but every day. <laughs> Steam uh, until I until I leave for uh, Tucson, and I've already got. When my do you uh, come into Tucson, by the way? What now? When do you come into Tucson? Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon. All right. A minute. I had so much fun last year. I'm not missing a minute of it. So <laughs> I'll be, and. Um, I can't wait, and so, uh, I, like I said, I'm going to be doing a show every day up until then, and most of it's all the people are going to be at Wild Wild West Con, and uh, James Brain, you do a magnificent job. I just, uh, you know, I, I tease you, but you do a fantastic job. And, and <laughs> If you didn't tease me at least once every time we spoke, I think you were mad at me. <laughs> You'd you be right, too. And uh, <laughs> Lee Summers. Uh, looking so forward to your uh, books, your new book, uh, uh, Firebrand's Legacy. Excited about that. Excited about seeing you there in Tucson. And um, guys, spread the word about uh, uh, Wild Wild Westcon, everybody, also. And by the way, uh, hello to Russell and hello to Terry. Thank you both for messaging in that you're enjoying the show. Um, also, Tell everybody to listen every day. All the cool people are going to be here at Madam Perry. Definitely. And, guys, I'm going to close out. Thank you for, for uh, being here with me and for your generosity of your time. Uh, I'm going to close out with a good friend of ours, Scott Helland, Frenchie and the Punk, and Never End the Rock. <laughs> Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.